Welcome to the VO School podcast. Each episode is devoted to a different facet of the voiceover industry, building your knowledge towards a comprehensive understanding of the art, craft, and business of voiceover. We are joined by some of the industry's biggest and most successful players who share their journey and the secrets to their success. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's VO School podcast episode. And today we're talking about movie trailers. Now, this is a very, very tiny percentage of the voiceover work that is out there, but it is extremely sought after and, as you'll hear, quite well paid. Um, Whether or not you're going to be going into this particular genre, it's certainly a fascinating interview and The two people who I interviewed were really, really generous with their time and their knowledge, and they're both extremely successful. Um, Let me just outline some of the projects they've been working on. Glenn Steinbaum is our first guest. He's been doing this a while and worked on some huge movie franchises and campaigns. Uh, Currently, he's the voice of The House with a Clock in Its Walls, Bohemian Rhapsody, Mid-90s, and the new Wreck-It Ralph film, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Our second guest is Gabriel Kunda, who is killing it in movie trailers and, frankly, in commercials and promo and tons of stuff. He's doing super well. Um, He's currently voicing A Star Is Born, Mile 22. Uh, He did Ocean's 8 and the Black Klansman film, which is super cool. So we have two extremely well-qualified people to talk on this subject. As per usual, if you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on social media, All the links are on our website, voschoolpodcast.com. We're very easy to be found. Just voschoolpodcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And, of course, Patreon. Please support us on Patreon. This really helps us to keep putting the podcast out there. And it's very enjoyable, but it takes a lot of time and effort. And it does cost money to do so. Um, The Patreon contributions really do help. Again, the link to that is on the voschoolpodcast.com page. And I think that's pretty much it. So here are a couple of adverts, and then we're going to get into our interview with Gabriel and Glenn. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Connect your studio to the world with IPDTL. IPDTL is a cost-effective alternative to ISDN without the need for hardware or line rental. Connect, mix, and record up to four locations at the same time, including phone patch, right from your computer. You don't need additional software as IPDTL runs in your browser, and you can even get your own ISDN number. Try a day pass for just $15, or subscribe monthly or yearly. So, for directed sessions, interviews, and of course, podcasts, choose IPDTL. All right, so today I am joined by Gabriel Kunda and Glenn Steinbaum, and we are talking about movie trailers, and the two of these chaps absolutely know what they're talking about with this genre. They do a lot of this kind of work, so thank you both for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's exciting. This is a very high-profile genre Lots of people want to get into this, so I think it's going to be a popular interview for sure. Um, so let's start out and find out a little bit about each one of you and what, how you got into this industry. So why don't we start with you, Gabe? How did you get into doing this line of work? Yeah, well, trailer specifically, um, it was, I was in high school, and I think this was the first kind of world I was introduced to as far as voiceover was concerned. Uh, I remember I was watching a video called Million Dollar Voices on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you had the likes of Don LaFontaine, Ben Betrick Johnson, and, uh, you know, Cedaring Fox. A lot of a lot of the, I guess, the, the heroes, you know, yeah. on there. And, I, and it blew my mind. And I was like, what is this? And so I looked up everything. I, I was maybe a sophomore 
um, in high school, and I just looked up anything I could about just kind of VO, uh, specifically trailers, and I just kind of I I grew in a the huge affinity for it, and so just studied and watched trailers over and over again. I was like, this is what I wanted to do. At first, it was kind of like, you know, I was exposed to like commercials and narration and stuff. But then after a while, I was like, man, I actually want to just do promos and trailers for the rest of my life if I can. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I kind of chased after that. Uh, and I was, I remember I used to do like, uh, when I got to my senior year, I was like, let me do some like, some fun like scratch stuff. And I would like, uh, do some mock trailers of like Finding Dory and, and other movies that were coming out and stuff. And I just posted on social media and stuff. It just kind of things I would learn on my own. Yeah. Um, just kind of studied that for a while. And then it came to about when it really started to kick off was, I, I think, last year. Um, I got signed on, you know, with the agency and everything. And and then I got on to uh, management. Um, and it's kind of funny how that went down too, because I'm, you know, I'm I'm fairly young in comparison to all the other guys that are that are working in the game. So I was kind of I didn't know if I was going to be able to to hop in there, because a lot of people would tell me, you know, hey, it's it's a it's it's a very tight you know club, and you may may, may want to try something else. And so I was like, oh man, but I feel like I can maybe you know I feel like I can do this, you know, yeah. I can. I can hop in there, but I don't know. So anyway, Gabe I, just I, celebrated his thirteenth birthday, by the way. So happy birthday! <laughs> right. <laughs> you have a, you have is, a bar mitzvah coming up. Don't that you? is a hell of a voice for a thirteen-year-old, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, man. So I mean, I, I, um, I was like, let me see what happens, and so I got a demo together, um, and and kind of, kind of gave my best stuff, I guess, and send it to my uh, management, a uh, management. And uh, they heard some potential in me, so they yeah. they brought me on, and they were like, "Well, let's see what sticks." And it's been it's been fun ever since. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. It's it's funny because a lot of people who come into this industry, when they're kids and they they dream of doing this, they're doing Simpsons voices or something else, right. they, animation. But it's funny that you were doing movie trailer prom and promos and things like that from an yeah. early age. That's hilarious. All right, cool. So, Glenn, what about you? How did you get into this? Pretty similar to Gabe, actually. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want your listeners to know, uh, if you are a dear listener listening in, Gabe's track is not normal. Um, yeah. You know, so don't feel bad if you've been studying and, and working your ass off and, <clears throat> excuse me, and things just haven't been clicking. Uh, you know, Gabe is a very, very hard worker. He's also phenomenally talented, mm -hmm. and he just uh, happens to be clicking really well right now. Um, and I just don't want people to feel bad if they don't have the like instant success that, that Gabe has had. And I'm not trying to take anything away from you, Gabe. I just want sure, people sure. to yeah. feel like, you know, Absolutely. Hey, why don't, why don't I do that too? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Well, voiceover for me in general, um, started, I was in high school also when a friend of my, uh, parents was doing it. Um, Actually, he was the voice of uh, of the Beast in Beauty and the Beast Disney version. Wow, cool. yeah, Robbie Benson, um, super, you know, wonderful friend of my family's. He's an amazing guy, and he was doing commercials voiceover um, when I was like seventeen, eighteen, and we were just watching TV one day, and my mom goes, "Hey, that's that's Robbie's voice you hear," and suddenly it dawned on me that that could be something you could do and get paid for, yeah. and it mm -hmm. sounded really appealing because I've always I've, I've been a singer my whole life music has been a big part of my life and uh, as well as for Gabe I think yeah. you know aren't you you're a music major oh right? yeah that, that's I, but my bachelor's in music education well there you yeah. go yeah um, and we can get into later how those two worlds uh, kind of coincide yeah. but anyway uh, yeah so I always like to read out loud change up my voice and stuff so I asked Robbie, like, what should I do? And he, he said, why don't you take a class? So I took a class, and uh, then I realized that it was acting. And that really bothered me because <laughs> growing up in L.A., uh, I had my parents and I, we had a lot of friends who were out of work, unhappy actors. Right. And that's more what I saw in the acting world. I didn't see a lot of, you know, what they call blue collar actors, people who were making, you know, honest livings doing acting. It just was like people who were upset and not yeah. getting what they, what they thought they were going to get. So I didn't want to be anywhere near that world. 
Um, but unfortunately, I loved that voiceover workshop more than I'd ever loved anything I had studied ever. Mm. So I said, you know what, I'm going to just give this everything I have. And if I'm, I said, if I'm 25 and nothing has happened, I'll just go do something else. And this was when I was 18 or 19, I said this. Right. Um, so I went to college and then in the, in the summers, I'd come back to LA and take a workshop. And, uh, then after I graduated, I moved back to LA and kept doing that. I, I took so many damn workshops <laughs> and had so many coaches and stuff. It was a little bit ridiculous, but I knew like, if I'm going to try to do this, I'm not some conservatory trained actor. Right. I need to, I need to take as many classes as I can. If I'm going to be competing with the likes of Ashton Smith and Howard Parker and Mike McCall and Phil Terrence, like I, I've got to know my shit. Right. Mm. So, um, I studied my ass off and then, uh, I got my agent when I was 23, 24. Um, and then 25 was that number. I said I, I was going to leave if it wasn't clicking. And that was the year I was able to switch full time wow. and, you wow. know, quit the day job. Well, I mean, I was fired from my day job, so it, <laughs> <laughs> it was like I either get another one or just see, you know, put some faith in and see if it sticks. And things really started sticking that year. Um, trailer specifically, um, th this is like an hour long answer to your question. I apologize. I've been rambling. No, please. It's great. Uh, trailers came a little bit later. I always wanted to do them, but I didn't think I really had uh, the voice for it. And I was told like, oh, well, if you start in voiceover, you got to start with commercials. That's the day to day work. And. So I, I started doing that, but um, promos and trailers started clicking for me a little bit more than commercials right away. Yeah. So I went with that. And then I, as I did more research, I said, wow, this is the gig. I mean, for me, like to be able to just stay in your studio all day and get paid to represent networks and, and movies. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love, I've loved, I wanted to be a film producer when I was a kid. I didn't even know what that meant. I just loved movies so much. I wanted to be on film sets and mm. I love movies. So to be able to represent these awesome films really felt like an honor, a huge honor to me. So, um, I just kept leaning into that and doing more research. And then the, the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge into diving into this world was that I took a, uh, I was taking a trailer workshop with Joyce Castellanos, oh, yeah. who's a wonderful promo trailer coach and producer. And the last day of our workshop was at Scott Rummel's house. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. We went to his house out in Yorba Linda uh, and we sat in his studio and we read copy and he directed us and gave us pointers. And that was one of the most fun days of my life. Yeah. And it was also one of the most inspiring days of my life because I saw him with his family in this beautiful house. And I was like, wow, this dude, you know, he makes a great living, but he's also a present father. Yeah. And I said, what kind of career could I have where I could potentially make that kind of money and see my kids all the time. And now I have two small children. I have two girls who are one and three. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I get to see them all the time. Yeah. Which, you know, sometimes I don't enjoy when they're being particularly <laughs> difficult. But um, That's general, where the soundproof booth helps, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it really, it's like having your cake and eating it too. So mm -hmm. I said after that night at his house, I was driving home and I said, okay, I have got to... I got to be a promo trailer guy. I got to give this everything I have. And um, then it just sort of started working after that. Well, a couple of years after that, it wasn't like the next day. It took a couple yeah. of years. You know, you got to work hard and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So Yeah, that's great. So you grew up in LA, but what about you, Gabe? Where did you grow up? In Dallas, Texas. Right. Yeah. And you're still there, right? I'm still here. Yeah. Well, we're going to come back to that shortly because we've got a few questions from the audience and some of them are to do with the geography of where you have to be. Um, mm. So let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of doing the work then. So what skills, what specific skills do you need? Um, Glenn, you mentioned obviously acting just then, um, but uh, what other skills, timing and certain voice qualities and you know other, other things that you have to, to nail to do this kind of work, would you say? I'd say, uh, yeah, the acting thing, it's really, it's, it's really about um, storytelling, which everybody says, but it's about being able to adapt your, uh, your emotions for, for whatever it is that you're reading. And you have to know 
what it is you're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, and that means being as intimate as you can with the film. Whether it's just, you know, if maybe they've only released a, a two-minute trailer on YouTube, but watch that thing over and over again and just mm-hmm. and get the vibe of what that movie is going for and how they're selling it. And then you try and find that attitude within yourself and, uh, and fit that in. Right. And then if you get it wrong, or not wrong, but like, you know, let's say you booked the job, but then you're on the session, they're like, hey, like, we really liked what you did, but we need you to, to brighten it up. Don't lose that authority. And um, you only have, you know, 5.7 seconds to do it. You have to do all that right away because they don't have time to mess around. Yeah. Right. Um, so you need to be able to adapt and take direction very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, and that, I think that just comes from practice, really. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I'd say even, yeah, as far as timing too, I think is, is a big deal. Um, right. Especially when they want you to, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll give you ABCs and so you got to, you got to be able to crunch those in the appropriate time. I, I yeah. liken it to kind of promos as well. You know, mm-hmm. promos they have it has a certain rhythm to it. Um, uh, so that that's kind of how I would compare it. Um, I was also going to say kind of like what you were talking about as far as like the two minute trailers and stuff. Something that I do a lot uh, is like if they'll give me a link to the trailer, I'll pull up the trailer and I'll play it in the background and read mm-hmm. to it. Oh yeah, totally all yeah. the time. And I think it it just for me because I am. A lot musician first you mm-hmm. know i think that's my first love for me it gets me immediately into the mood and yeah. i can just even if there's like you know dialogue in the background it just puts me in that zone so i can be able to capture the essence of it uh now sometimes depending on the trailer house they may want to go one trailer house may want to go a different direction or whatever the deal is um you know it just kind of depends they may be like and hey, we want to kind of you know lighten this up a little bit and you just adjust that way um, but like you know, Glenn said, you got to be able to immediately adjust and and give them what they want. For the most part, you're in the ballpark. I mean, they chose you, so yeah. <laughs> regardless how your read is, you'll be in the ballpark. Just a matter of like fine tuning certain things. Could you give us a a rough idea of you know paint a picture of a trailer session, Gabe? How does it usually run? Would you say? Sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, the process, at least uh, for me, is you know I'll get the get a scratch from my agent they'll say hey uh scratch is normally called it it's an audition um and i'll get that and i'll audition for it i'm like well the studio likes you and they'll want to set up a session the next day or sometimes it's as soon as possible yeah yeah (laughs) um and so i'll hop in the session um and they kind of like they'll give you you know the few the lines the script and uh, they'll tell you to you know kind of we like what you did in your audition give uh, you know just give us a read and we'll give i'll give them a read and then at that point they may say oh okay well could you bring a lighter here or could you really emphasize this word um and so that's how it's kind of i'll deliver that word the way they want them to um and then that's kind of how that that works as far as but it's fast i mean right yeah, Gabe, like you, you don't get an hour to do this you, no. you know they want it done in five ten minutes right yeah, yeah. very Absolutely. much like promo in that in that respect yeah. right exactly and are you doing it to picture no no. no, not doing it. To no, I, there were there are times if I'm working with uh, sometimes when I'm working with UK, mm-hmm. I'll go to uh, I'll listen. You know, they'll have the uh, what do they call? It? I think SOTs is what they call, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll have that playing in the background, and you read to that kind of like you would do like a network promo. Right. Um, but as far as like it, it, that's that's very little of of the work. You know, what I'm saying that's, that's funny. I've never I I do a lot of stuff with UK as well, and I've never. Uh, had a session where they've played the stuff in the background actually really? um yeah and a lot of my trailer sessions are actually unsupervised oh okay um, yeah. yeah especially with especially with the uk which is interesting and it's like this has been a, a whole other world to deal with because oh, yeah. i just have to direct <laughs> myself and uh, and hope that it's okay and i just give them a, a shit ton of takes at you know a lot of different speeds and whatever and you know and and usually it's fine um, so it's like, I've gotten kind of used to that. And, and then, you know, the best, like I'm doing a, this film right now where, um, the title and, uh, and rating that read was my original audition that I did like months ago. And they just lifted that and threw it on a bunch of spots. Oh, wow. oh yeah. You gotta love it. And, um, <laughs> you know, and then all the other sessions were just like, you know, unsupervised, like, Hey, we got this, this stuff, just knock it out. Like as soon as you can. Which is, and that that's that's been a newer phenomenon to me. I guess when yeah. you the spots are five, you know, basically it's five seconds worth of copy. You can just blast out twenty different versions of that so quickly that they'll find something in there that they like in different 
combine Pretty it in much. different ways. You, you know? just got to make sure you match the read that you did two months ago. Yes, <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I want to go back to one quick thing Gabe was saying yeah. about the music. Um, if if uh, the dear listeners are uh, musically inclined, as Gabe and I are, I would say something that is really helpful, like Gabe was saying, but kind of even even more so in that sometimes I'll literally put my earbuds in you know, mm-hmm. um, and be listening to whatever song they chose on that two minute YouTube trailer. Yeah. And I'll have that going in my head as I'm reading because it just keeps that, that vibe going. Yeah. So it, it doesn't get picked up on the, on the recording, but in my head I'm, I'm, I'm in that zone. Yeah. That's a great tip. Do you ever do that too, Gabe? Uh, absolutely. Well, throughout I, I the think, session? Oh, throughout the session, the actual session. Oh. I don't do that in the session. Oh, okay. So just to be clear, that that's more for audition purposes. Okay, yeah, gotcha, I think throughout gotcha. the session, I'm too nervous to even. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just, I'm yeah. still trying to, you know. I, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know right. if I'm able to go to read these words right. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Let alone uh, um, the mix, but there's one more sure thing auditions. I also wanted to add. You you were asking uh, Jamie about skill sets, and yeah. this might sound kind of odd because it might not sound like a skill to people, but for me, I've realized it is, and that skill is having confidence. Hmm. I was not, I mean, when you think about, this is a very daunting thing we're doing, really. You're you're representing these gigantic films that, I mean, a lot is riding on whether this film succeeds or not. And if you're involved in the marketing of it, I mean, you have an important job to do. And if you're trying to break into this world and you're competing with guys who are insanely talented, like the Howards, the Ashtons, all those guys, um, you have to step up to the plate like you know how to hit a home run. Yeah. And that confidence, even if you're faking that confidence, people can hear it. And you need to, every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what it is. If you don't like it, screw you, but this is what it is. (laughs) And that takes a a lot of practice, unless you're just more of a naturally confident person, I suppose, of which those people absolutely exist. But I... Coming into this originally, I was kind of timid. I was like, oh, is this really going to work out? Like, how, how am I really going to compete with with these guys? And, you know, that's I wasn't working in the beginning because I was a little bit like, mm, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work out. But then you get to this point where things start working and you're like, oh, like, I guess I guess I can do this. And then all of a sudden you yeah. approach every read with this is the Glenn Reed or this is the Gabe Reed. And if you don't like it, that's fine because somebody else will. Yeah, And having that kind of confidence is way more important than people give it credit for. You take all these classes and they talk about technique and blah, blah, blah. Nobody talks about the confidence that you need, that you need to, whatever you have to do to get yourself into that mindset, whether it be meditating or getting into some therapy, you you need to know that you are worthy and you are great. And some people, you just can't make everybody happy. That's fine. Mm -hmm. There are going to be people who don't like you and that's fine, but some people will. And did you have there that you confidence with the first few gigs that you did, or did that develop over time? Which can, oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, no. I, the first, no, no, not at all. Um, it, is, it is still an evolving thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit older than Gabe, uh, but I mean, I'm not, you know, I've been doing this, I'm 32 now. I've been doing this full time since I was, like I said, 25, 26. And I feel like just this year, the, in the last couple of years, I'm getting to a place where I feel confident enough to just be like, oh, yeah, this is what I do. And, uh, you know, here you yeah. are. This yeah. is what I, this is what I provide. And I'm not trying so hard to make everyone happy all the time. Yeah. What about you, Gabe? How, how do you approach the confidence side? Man, it's still, a it, it's still something I'm battling. Uh, right. and yeah. it's, um, sometimes, I mean, I, I, I get just nervous out of my mind because I think for me, it's more, when I pull myself out of everything, I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I am 24 and I'm sure someone of the likes of like Howard or Glenn or somebody is reading for the same cop. How am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, why are they even scratch? Why do they even want me to scratch? You know, and I, I it's it kind of gets a little daunting. But then I have to also pull myself back and be like, oh, okay, like I do, I'm doing this because it's fun. And I remember like that feeling I got when I was a sophomore and I was doing these little scratches and, and stuff that I would make up. And I would notice that when I pull myself out and I'm kind of like doing this, like this is fun, this is fun, you know, that's normally the campaigns I book. And so um, kind of putting myself in a mindset of, you know, hey, why are you doing this? You know, remember this is just you. And so I try, you know, I try to to get in that mindset every now and then, but it's it's kind of hard, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. gets kind of difficult, especially when you have 
when you have three or four people in a room, you know, that make the, the decisions, um, it gets kind of, you know, but, you know, you got to. And that and that's the same in other genres as well, right? Particularly in uh, commercial, when you may have four or five people in the room, there might be someone yeah. listening on the phone. Um, Absolutely. It's, do you remember your first trailer session? How did that go? My first trailer session. Oh, so funny. My first trailer session was actually unsupervised, and it was the best oh, because yeah. I was like, "Great, I get." To- it's all downhill on, uh, from now. Right? right. You're like, oh, they're all going to be like that now. <laughs> it was. It was working on uh, the Proud Mary campaign, oh. and that one was. I mean, it was. It was great. Like they sent me. I saw all these tags and stuff, and so it was rated PG thirteen. Rated, you know, comes out tomorrow Friday, and all this stuff, and and then some copy and stuff. And I was like, oh man, great! I could do this on myself, and I was just having fun, you know, taking takes like three, four, five takes on each one. Now they got a huge file because I was so. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited about it. So the, the file was massive of takes. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I guess that was a, you know, my first kind of session, I would say. But yeah, cool. And uh, what was it like the first time you heard yourself in in a movie theater? Oh my gosh, was that crazy? Okay, so a lot of a lot of the stuff, honestly, I, I've never actually heard myself in movie theater with with trailers. And, and I know they're going to really there's nothing there's not a lot of trailers that have narration inside the trailers uh, the actual theater sorry um i think the last a lot of the ones that they do have that for like the kid movies um you'll hear right. sometimes they'll have like uh some narration there you know some this friday you know kind of happy yeah. thing and they'll have that in, in the theaters but as far as you know kind of like the tv spots they don't have much of that would you say that glenn oh yeah absolutely uh voiceover in in film marketing right now it's really just about the TV spots. TV spots I, yeah. I'd say one in the last 20 or 30, if that, uh, trailers that I've seen in a theater have had any voice. Yeah, that's interesting how the TV is different, is separate from the from the movie movie trailers. Yeah, it comes off, I think, a, a little bit old school, a little bit cheesy, you yeah. know, that whole, <laughs> that whole in a world in thing. A world, and yeah. no disrespect to the godfather, Don LaFontaine. I mean, without him, we're simply standing on his and others shoulders here. But, um, I think in, in 2018, um, if you're sitting in a theater and all of a sudden you hear in a world, yeah. you're going to be like, Hmm, that sound, is this like a trailer from 1994? Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, and maybe it'll go back the other way. Who, who knows? But I think right now audiences prefer to, uh, let the clips of the film and the music do, do the more of the storytelling right. for them. Yeah. Um, but you know, then when it comes to TV time, and you you want to say the name of the movie, what it's rated, you want to give especially critic spots. I mean, those are huge. You oh, know, yeah. critics are calling blah blah blah. Right. Um, that adds a punch for sure. Yeah. Plus, there's a bit of a captive audience when you're in a in a movie theater. Everyone's sort of facing this gigantic screen, and the sounds <laughs> blaring. Whereas on TV, you're kind of competing. Very yeah. good point. Yep. Okay, let's move on because we're up against it time time wise, and I've got a million questions here. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about the business side of this. Um, now, Gabe, I think you mentioned it earlier about signing with a management company. How yeah. important are managers versus agents in securing this kind of work? I think they're very important. I remember when I first signed on to my agency, I, I thought immediately, I was like, great, I'm going to start getting uh, trailer copy. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> after a few months went by, I was like, hey, Hey, you know, um, where's the trailer stuff? Right. And I was asking some of my friends who've been in the in the game for a while, and and they they quickly let me know that um, that's kind of the trailer work, um, and also promo stuff as well come from the management, um, and the, the especially the bulk of the work. You know, I, I sometimes I'll get things like little, uh, I guess, uh, m- matching ADR matching from my agents, but for yeah. the most part, it gets coming from uh, management. And so, yeah, I think they're very imperative. I mean, they have they have these relationships, and because their their stable isn't ginormous, um, they're able to kind of get in there and and uh, kind of shake hands with these these uh, trailer houses and these advertising companies and such. But yeah, yeah. So so Glenn, the the managers um, work more closely with the trailer companies than agents do. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed uh, I would go on these managers' websites and see their rosters, and all the guys that I wanted to be like uh, <laughs> had managers. Right. Yeah. So I said, there's got to be something there. And yeah, my my business uh, improved 
a lot once I signed on with the manager. Um, I mean, and the agent is great, like not to take anything away from, yeah. I have wonderful agents. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the managers just have different relationships and they, they do have c- perhaps closer relationships with, uh, with movie studios and, and trailer houses. Um, and again, like Gabe said, they don't have hundreds of clients. You know, they might only have 20 or 30 or fewer who they're really pushing. So you might get some more individual attention. So are we talking specifically managers that specialize in movie trailers or just general managers here? Well, as far as I'm concerned in the world of voiceover, if you have a manager, you have it because you want to be in movie trailers. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you're just, you know, if you're if you're digging commercials, uh, you know, animation, promo, managers are helpful for promo as well, but I equate manager with trailer work trailer. pretty much. Yep. Right. Same. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so let's talk about um, maybe a slightly more uh, awkward thing to discuss: pay and how the how the money works in trailers. Mm. Um, with commercials in union commercials, you know, usually you'll get residuals and all this kind of stuff, and it's all worked out that way. How on earth does it work with movie trailers and Wild Wild, Wild West? Wild Wild West. Okay, it's <laughs> a well, good answer. Uh, first of all, I don't think that it, that's an awkward question. I think that that's something that a lot of people want to know, and people might be like afraid to talk about it. Yeah. You shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. It's part of the business. I mean, we're all trying to make money doing what we love, so you mm-hmm. got to talk about the money sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, trailers. It's a little bit different, right? Because there's not like there's not really a union scale for trailers <laughs> guys have their own rates it's kind yeah. of uh like this weird country club thing you, you, <laughs> you know um so yeah you you have your rate um but i mean i'll tell you what like people who are listening in the money if trailers become your thing and you're doing a lot of them um the money is fantastic i'm not gonna lie right uh that is part of the appeal you're not only doing I mean, first and foremost, you have to love what you're doing. The only reason we're doing this is because we get off every time we step up to the mic. It is fun. Yeah. yeah. The work itself is fun. It's it's this interesting mix of creativity with technicality. You get to represent these awesome movies that then you go see and you're like, I was in, you know, a very small way I contributed to the Absolutely. you know the success yeah. of this movie and whatever. But then you are paid very well. Like it's, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. It's a win-win. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I personally, I, I, <laughs> be honest with you, I didn't know uh, really the, the, you know, the money aspect of it all. I, I knew that, you know, they, they, they were taken care of, but I, I, my first time going on a campaign, um, let's just say when that check came in, I said, wait a minute, dude, hold on, <laughs> hold on. I read how many times and I did, I'm getting how much? What? Yeah, this is yeah you kind of feel, it's, feel it's guilty insane. in a way. Right. You're like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how hard do my, my friends who are, who are teachers and yeah. exactly. you know, I mean, people who have like, you know, noble professions and actually do something to help society. Absolutely. Like why, why am I getting paid more than they are for saying in theaters tomorrow? Like right. what the hell is that? Right. But you yeah. got to just accept it. And you know, th- this is the path I chose and, and then the other thing is, is that it might not, uh, you know, you, you might do really well for a short amount of time and then be done. So, yeah, way, yeah. 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 Is there a negotiation, Gabe? Do you work with your manager and talk about how you're going to? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, th- I don't think there, at least <laughs> maybe because I'm not to the point yet where I'm like talking to my managers about like, yo, this is what I deserve. But my managers <laughs> are pretty great about negotiating with the um the, the trailer houses or the, the the movie companies and such. So, um, yeah, they negotiate that way. And so everybody has their own, like Glenn said, everybody kind of has their own, you know, what they, what they get. Um, and al- also everything's union. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So yes. For that kind of work, you got to be union. Um, true. Yeah. True. And what about negotiating things like pickups and stuff like that? Is, is it like a lump sum you get for this or are you doing it per session or how does it work? It kind of depends. Right. Yeah. It really depends. That that is stuff again. That's kind of why you have the manager. Like you let them take care of all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're at a a level like if you've got uh, the manager like Jason Marks or Paul Whitner, Jason Helsner, these guys, this is what they do, and they're really good at what they do. So you leave it to them. You know, it, you're you're in really good hands with them. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating because you don't hear this discussed an awful lot, particularly about movie trailers, because it is sort of a dark art, really. I mean, it's hard to uh, know how this works when you're not actually working in it. Sure. Yeah. And there aren't really classes. People don't, yeah, people don't talk about this because, again, 
you know, you could think it's kind of awkward or you can come off as kind of arrogant when you talk about the money right. and stuff, but, right on. you know, it's business. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, who is the person that casts the voice for the movie? Because there's obviously the trailer company that creates the trailer. There's the um, production company that make the film and all this kind of the director and things like that. Whose responsibility is it to choose the person who voices the trailer campaign? It's typically a marketing executive of the studio who you never meet or never have yep. any contact with. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Not always the case, but especially for big budget films, like you don't know who that person is who chose you. Like you could, you could be select. You'll be selected by whatever trailer company they have hired, mm-hmm. right? And then let's say you you book that one spot, then that trailer company brings you into the head of marketing at Warner Brothers and plays it for her. And she says, everything's great. I'm not digging the voice. Let's just put Scott on it because I know Scott and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how that's how it works. So it, it is absolutely helpful to get in the good graces of trailer companies. Mm. I mean, absolutely. But at the end of the day, they might not be the, the ones who actually book you on the campaign. But if they like you and they keep pushing you and keep bringing you into the studios, then one day that person's going to say, oh, I remember this voice. You've you played me for this guy uh, last movie. Let's let's use him. I kind of like him for this, and then yeah. a relationship is born. Yeah. Have you tried networking? Uh, is this is this relevant in this industry, Gabe? Is this something that you you try and push yourself out there? I mean, I know you're not in LA, so that maybe that's that's restrictive. But yeah, every once in a while they'll have like um, sometimes they'll do like uh, the Golden Trailer Awards or some type of of situation, or like maybe my management may throw like a you know a little networking party or something small um and, and you just you know I, I go out to those and kind of shake hands with the trailer houses the trailer people that i uh, that work on them the editing and such right um because you know those are the guys that will get you heard i guess in a sense um i mm-hmm. mean you they send out the scratches you you audition on them send it back to them and these guys are maybe have they're maybe going to send off four people to the movie companies or whatever, and they're going to listen and make their choice. So right. I think it's really important to get that connection with the uh, you know, trailer houses so they remember, your, your, you know, they know who you are and and you guys, you're building a relationship there. But as far as networking, I mean, I haven't really um, met anybody at the movie, you know, <laughs> companies and such mm. uh, or head of advertising there. It's mostly the trailer houses and the editors that I'm shaking hands with and making sure, um, you know, they still remember me. Yeah. If I can piggyback on that for a second, um, mm-hmm. I think that's the way to do it too because you want your, especially in the world of trailers, but I'd go as far to say in the world of voiceover, the best type of marketing is when the person you're you know, networking with doesn't realize that you are networking with them. Right. It has to be a very casual, laid back kind of thing. So when our manager throws these cocktail parties and we go and we're just hanging out and having a drink and start striking up a totally organic conversation with like a random person and we're talking about you know baseball or whatever and then all of a sudden we say oh like what do you do and then they're like oh i i work for trailer park you're like oh cool i'm i'm glenn and that's how that kind of thing goes because everything has got to be organic and real so if you're listening to this podcast and you think hey why don't i I connect with the head of marketing at Warner Brothers on LinkedIn and send her a message and be like, hey, I do voiceover. Like, please, I implore you, do not do that. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> might seem like a proactive, cool thing you can do, but it's, it, it, it isn't. It will come no. off as, uh, as rookie and um, not, yeah, not, it's not welcome to do that kind of thing. And presumably you're not doing your movie trailer guy voice at the cocktail oh, party. No. <laughs> oh, no, no, just no. be a person. Yeah, just people, you know. Sometimes. Like that, that's, that, that's a, going back to our, com- our uh, confidence talk. Yeah. That has helped me when you realize all these people that you're working with, everyone is just a person and everyone's just trying to do the best that they can do at what they're doing. And we're all just faking it. Everyone's yeah. just trying their Absolutely. hardest. Nobody really knows what they're doing. So if you connect to people on a human level, it's like, hey, the, you know, let's let's do work on this project together and, and hope for the best. And let's just we'll work our hardest and hope it turns out well. It's not, they're not some scary, these trailer people, they're not scary people who are like going to, if they hire you, you'll have a great life. And if they don't hire you, your life's going to suck. Like (laughs) it's not the stakes. You you can't have the stakes be that high in your head. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Um, We're flying through these questions. We've got a couple more and then I want to get to some audience questions before I know you've got to run there, Glenn. Um, Now we're going to take a real left turn here. Um, 
Now, a few years ago, we've said Inner World a number of times in this episode, uh, there was a movie that came out called Inner World, and it was all about a um, female voice talent who wanted to voice movie trailers. And it raised a lot of questions about why this is such a male-dominated area of the industry. Um, as far as I can tell, things haven't really changed. And even for that campaign, I seem to remember it was a male guy who voiced that, which is kind of crazy. Um, why do you think that it is so male-dominated, this this genre of voiceover? And either of you can attack that. Do you want to go for that, Gabe? Oh, man. I know that's like, a tough question. I'm sorry. But. Yeah, it's kind of tough. I, I, I mean, I guess for me, I, I, from an audio standpoint and a kind of, I guess, musical, I guess, too, um, male voices just cut through um, as far as, you know, and I guess it depends on song and such and whatever what's going on within the trailer. But I feel like, you know, uh, the whole deep uh, big guy, you know, in, in your face kind of reads. Mm. Uh, they just cut through. And I mean, if you're in the kitchen and you're cooking something and you hear that come on, the, you know, the TV, you're just going, well, what's going on? And you go over there looking to see you know, the movie trailer spot, you know, the plane or whatever. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they just grab your attention more. I know. I know I've heard as of late, I've heard maybe a few spots or at one campaign for the darkest minds where I heard a, a female uh, voice on that campaign and i was like oh actually personally i was like actually this sounds great yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um so totally. it's it's very interesting um i think it, i think personally i think it'll ch- it'll start to kind of change um going down um but yeah because i think now we're in a climate where everybody just wants something new um that's what i'm noticing a lot and i think that even going starting trailers and stuff but a lot of the things i would get is that we just want something fresh something new give it a shot and so yeah i think we can I think we're more moving towards that. Yeah. What do you think, Glenn? I certainly hope we're moving towards that. I think uh, I think it's it's a shame that more women are not used. I mean, that's an entirely yeah. different perspective of of storytelling that we're not yeah. hearing. Yeah. You know, um, and the whole idea of cutting through, like I I do understand that. I mean, if you're if you're at a bar and it's loud, and you know, all of a sudden one of my spots comes on, like you can hear me still, but perhaps mm-hmm. if it's a woman, it would be harder. I don't know. I don't want to sound like an asshole, but yeah. I'm just trying to think about, you know, maybe why, why this is the case right now, but I don't think it should be. I mean, I, yeah. I heard a spot for, uh, for the wife the other night with Glenn Close. Um, oh, yeah. and I was paying attention because I, I normally do Sony pictures, classics movies. Um, and this was one I was like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't do this one. Okay. And then I heard it was a woman and I was like, duh, obviously it, yeah. For this film, like totally should be a woman. She sounds amazing. I don't know who it was, but it was perfect. And you know, why can't there be more of that? I don't know. I'm sure mm. it will change, yeah. and I, I hope it does. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's really a question, I suppose, for the uh, marketing department of a movie company as opposed to voice talent, mm. because <laughs> we're not in a position to make any decisions. But it's certainly uh, an interesting subject because it, it's uh, almost entirely male dominated. Yeah. still in a way that other genres aren't yeah and that's true yeah which is a shame um so what styles of reader hot right now what is the stylistically speaking a thing that's current uh you know you said that in a world read is kind of a bit old-fashioned a bit hokey what are the adjectives that that people are use are sending in your direction these days either of you um i it sort of depends on the genre of the film right um mm. but i see a lot of flat I was just about to say that. Oh yeah, flat yeah. reads. Yeah, man. Like trailer, <laughs> the trailer read is an interesting one. Um, going back to our original question about skill set, this fits in there because your read when you do trailers, you have to be this interesting combination of very present and also not sticking out. You know, mm. like when you hear a trailer read, you don't want it to smack you in the head and be right. like, you know. That's why I said that in a world read. What I meant by that was that very narration heavy, like, listen to me now. Like, that yeah, is that is right. not hot right now. But you also have to have enough presence in your voice and be be in it enough, like, emotionally and, and be in that attitude. And you have to be in it enough that it's going to cut through and totally fit what's happening. But it's got to be chill. It's got to be flat and chill. And, uh, and that takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I, I definitely agree. Yeah. The flat read is, oh man, that's in. Um, I've done a, a lot of sessions where they were just kind of like, well, could you, um, because I guess a growing 
from you know high school until now I've been learning this kind of you know style where it's a lot more whimsical or whatever just kind of more ups and downs as far as inflection and there's a lot of more musicality to the voice mm. um and I've had to kind of switch gears over the last you know I guess nine months or whatever just kind of figuring out okay they they don't want nothing too up and unless, unless it's a kid film then it's at that point you know right you got to right. do what you got to do for that yeah but as far as all the other stuff, it's it's pretty yeah, it's pretty flat to the point. Um, and like Len said, you you want to be present, but not to the point where it's just kind of like, you know, it's like is this a parody? You know, like, <laughs> right? Exactly. Know. That's what. Yeah, because if you're too much, if you're too much, it's going to sound like a parody. Exactly. They don't want those peaks and valleys that you have like sometimes in promo work. You know, where you yep. where you kind of divide it up musically, rhythmically, and da 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 That yeah. might fit more for promo work, but in trailer, what you want, I learned this actually from Maurice Tobias. When you, If you look at your uh, audio when you're recording, if you look at your Pro Tools or your Twisted Wave or whatever, what you want to see when you're doing your read is a fuzzy caterpillar. <laughs> you don't want to okay. see yeah. peaks and values. You don't want to see big spikes and stuff. You want it to all be homogenous and uniform. And I really learned that. So that was a great lesson from Maurice. But I also learned that yeah. uh, just by listening to Howard Parker. He's he's one of my favorites, and I've looked up to him for a long time. And when you hear his stuff, he is able to inflect so much emotion and attitude in his reads while keeping his voice so homogenous. And so it's not monotone, but it's just... Mm-hmm. It's just like one, like I imagine this fuzzy caterpillar, like he's, he's not all over the place. He is so controlled yet. There is so much stuff subtly going on there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that is something that if I were to play you an example of what I'm talking about, you would just be like, yeah, I mean, it sounds good. It doesn't sound like much of anything. And that's kind of the point. Yeah. Like it sounds like it's so easy, but to do that much and restrain it like that and control yourself is really, really hard. Yeah. And I guess from a technical standpoint, mixing um, a trailer when there's so much going on in the audio world, having those peaks and valleys are just going to get lost. So you do want that for, from a technical standpoint as well as a delivery standpoint, that, f- that flat delivery that you can just, n- it's almost like it's already compressed, you know? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So where do you, as a final question before we get to audience questions, where do you see... VOs in movie trailers going. Um, they've withdrawn a lot in recent years. There's less copy. You've talked about this. Um, do you think it's going to snap back? Do you think we're going to get more narrative in these things, or is it going to continue to get like you're just going to say out Friday? You know, at the end of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good think? question. I think there's a pendulum. Will uh, it will swing? I mean, uh, everything is so dynamic, depending on you know again like the climate that we're in. I just the creative vibe that you know these these houses are feeling you know they mm. may want a lot of copy you know there may be a time where it's just like wow actually you know we're getting a, a lot of i'm starting to read a lot more body as far as the you know the spots and stuff and there's starting to be, become a lot more narration in in these these tv spots we may get to that point um yeah. and so it, it's everything is kind of open um you just never know especially the creative zone you just don't know you can't really box things in <laughs> everything de- depending on uh, the times and stuff right so. And you also don't know how people are going to be absorbing media in the coming right. times. I mean, right. so many people are cutting the cable, right? And like, how many? I have so many friends that don't watch TV anymore. Yeah, you know, they just mm. they just do Apple TV, Hulu, Netflix, and stuff like that. Um, so that's going to change how how we market, obviously. Um, so what that means for voiceover, I I don't know, but. You know, like my sister just the other day, hey, I heard one of your thing, one of your trailer f- spots on, on Spotify. It's like, okay, yeah. So like that one was obviously more of a copy heavy thing because you're just listening. Yeah. So maybe that kind of thing will start to happen more. Mm. And, then, and then I would even say, even on Instagram, I go on my Instagram and I'd see, uh, I'd, you know, I'd be flipping through stories and stuff and literally my five second spot, a five second yeah. spot will come right. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's crazy. I, it, it it's it's wild how it's changing um but I, i'm sure because we you know especially the young 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 cats are like you know we don't want to spend like a minute watching a trailer so they're just going to cram everything in five seconds and then you know boom keep it moving and so, there was voice yeah, in that as well or was it just there was voice yeah absolutely yeah oh wow all right fantastic well that that was good we covered a lot and i'm looking at these questions and a lot of them are actually covering stuff we've already spoken about but maybe we can revisit some of them let's start off with Stephen Humes 
He says, I'm in Peachtree City, Georgia, about 15 minutes from the new Pinewood Studios where Marvel did a few films and business is booming. I've knocked on a few doors digitally and always get the same thing. Casting for VO and studio sessions are done strictly in LA. To be able to get to the auditions, do you have to be near the LA-based studios? So, Gabe, probably you're a good person to speak yeah. to about this because you're not there. Yeah, yeah, brother. I mean, I, every audition I've done for trailers and, and, and such, everything of that sort, has been from my home in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. Um, I'm actually in the suburbs of Dallas, Arlington, Texas. So, like, <laughs> right. everything I've done as far as audition-wise, they've never asked me to fly out to L.A. or anything of that nature. It's, this is why I have not moved to L.A., really, mm. um, because of a lot of the work that I I do. I'm just like, actually, I'm starting to find out that um, I can do it all from home. As a matter of fact, I mean, this is kind of going outside of trailers, but even with like some of the animation and video game stuff that I do in LA, like I'm starting to, you know, some stuff I've been able to do from home. And then there's right. times where I'll fly in and stuff, but it's uh, the times are changing, brother. Times yeah. are changing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Glenn? What do you think? You're in LA. So. Um, I think that uh, if if all you want to do is trailers and you're not interested in any other genre of voiceover, then no, you don't have to live in LA. Uh, but you know, it's hard to be in um, not a major metropolitan area mm. and and just kind of be. I don't know. It's it's helpful to be in that in that world. I think. Um, but you know, Stephen, if you want to do commercials and promos and stuff. It would be helpful to be, uh, you know, not in Georgia. But again, like Gabe said, I don't know. Listen, when I first started, like the very first film campaign I ever did, I did every session at Buddha Jones, which is the oh, trailer wow. house in L.A. Because right. I didn't have a home studio yet. Yeah. Um, and but like those, those, and that was not that long ago, you know. But those days are are gone so i don't know i'm sort of uh speaking out of my ass here because i'm trying to think of this answer as it's coming into my brain yeah. and um so steven i'd, I'd say if trailers are what you want to do then I, you don't have to live in la but also it's not the wisest decision to try and get this kind of work um without representation yes so i'd say instead <clears throat> of knocking on doors at like pinewood studios Try and, you know, somehow like work, work on your craft first, mm, yeah. you know, get to the point where you feel like you can compete professionally and you're really good and then try to get in the door of a, a with an agent or a manager. And, and those are the people who knock on the doors of Pinewood and stuff like that. I'll even say um, when I, prior to me getting on with management or actually at management, I thought because I wasn't seeing that kind of copy coming in, I was like, okay, well maybe I need to knock on those doors, you know, and send emails and call up and stuff. And they mm. told me very quickly, he's like, well, so are you represented by any management or any agents or whatever? That's where we send our copy. And that's, that's been the message from every trailer house that I would, you know, inquire right. about. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, representation is very important, but also like Glenn said, your craft, like you, you got to come swinging, um, mm. for sure. Where do you go to learn those skills? Who are, who are good people to reach out to coach, coaching-wise? I think, um, in my humble opinion, even before you, you should be thinking about coaches, um, listen to what is going on in the, in the marketplace mm -hmm. right now, in the voiceover trailer marketplace. Like, know, Go on the manager's websites. Listen to all the samples. Know who everybody is. Know who's working on what campaign and why you think they're working on that campaign. Because then you get a sense of the trends, you know, who's being hired and start mimicking. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, I, that's how I started. I just started trying to impersonate everybody that I heard. Cause I was like, well, if, you know, they're using Tony Rogers all the time, I think I could do a killer Tony Rogers, right. you know? And I started doing that. And one day I was talking to my agent and I was like, yeah, I'm going to, this read, I'm going to infuse it with like a little bit of Tony, but then I'm going to have that little like Ashton edge on the end. And she's like, stop, you're at the point now you need to be you yeah. like st if they want Tony, they're going to hire Tony, mm. you know, be you and develop your own brand. Um, so that's sort of phase two, but phase one would be listened spend a lot of time, record a bunch of shows on TV, fast forward through the shows, watch the commercials, the trailers and the promos yeah. and just listen to what's hot. Yeah. Because um, I, yeah. I would say, because there, there is a rhythm to this trailer read. Um, and, and that's something that you'll only pick up by listening. I, I feel like, you know, it's not something that it's just like all of a sudden people can just do it. No, I feel like, you know, you listen, I mean, last summer, 
um, prior to me signing with management, I spent like <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, every hour just watching trailers and copying, copying, mm-hmm. recording myself, trying to match the intensity, trying to match the you know um, the 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 kind of <laughs> the acting. That's because that's what it is. <laughs> the acting, yeah. Um, and and doing that over and over again, and just listening, listening, listening. And so then when I get into a session, I just depending on what you know. Not that I'm trying to copy somebody. I may be getting the session and there's like, okay, we want intense. And we want intense and big action movie. Then I go into my little brain and think like, what did I hear? Oh, what left? let's see. I was listening to Howard Parker. How did he do that? Whatever, whatever. And infuse it with what I do, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you, know, you, you know, you start to bring your own kind of, um, you know, your own unique read. Um, so... Definitely and, listening. Um, Jamie, to give you, because I know your, your specific question was about coaches people can reach out to, and they are kind of, you know, few and far between in the trailer world. Yeah. But yeah. I mentioned Maurice Tobias earlier, yeah. um, and she's fantastic. Um, and then also I think, uh, you know, Gabe and I both know Richard Redfield. We've both worked with him. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. And I don't know that he, you know, likes to do a lot of coaching, but he is very knowledgeable and if, uh, you know, if you wanted to get a hold of him and try to coach with him, he, he knows what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, quick, quick, funny story about Richard, just uh, back to our confidence thing and, and all that jazz. The yeah. first time I ever took a lesson with him, it was, you know, a few years ago now. And he pretty much said, you know what, dude, I, I don't think you're cut out for trailers. He said, I, I don't think you've got the range and, and uh, you know, you might just want to focus on other areas. And I said, okay, I'm never going to talk to you again. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, a few years went by and, and my voice changed a bit as it still is. Uh, and I started doing a lot of trailers and then, um, I started coaching with him again and working with him and, um, we're friends now. And like, we, you know, I love working with him and he, I don't know if I've even mentioned that to him. I, I, he'd probably deny that he ever said that, <laughs> but my point is, because I know Scott Rummel had a very similar story to mine. Somebody yeah. told him early on, you don't have what it takes to do this. And um, and so my point is, don't let people tell you that. If you, <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. you know, mm. if you want, if you want to do this, do it and just keep, keep trying. Like there are so many people who try to do this, who quit after a year or two when they're not making a million dollars, you know, right. and that's like, screw that. If you want to, you know, it takes patience and persistence and practice. And I feel like I should call that the three P's and write a book. And <laughs> I love it. That's my it, technique. Yeah. The three P's. We'll come back home I, when you go to promote this book. And yeah, yeah, I, I just made that up right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's really easy to say, like, just follow your dreams and work really hard and it can happen. And no, that's not what I'm trying to say. Like, you could pour your soul into this and never get anywhere. That's right. just that's just the nature of it. That's why the only reason that you should ever, ever try to do voiceover in general, but especially get into trailers, yeah. is if you cannot imagine doing anything else with your life. I have so many yeah. people who come up to me like, hey, man, like, I kind of want to do what you do. Like, can you tell me how? And I say, well, is there anything else in this world that you think you want to do? And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of want to be a a therapist. I was like, good, go be a therapist. (laughs) You know, there's Mm. just too much rejection. Yeah. There's too much, you know, there is, if your gratification is getting hired, then Mm. you shouldn't do this. The gratification has to come from the work itself and just thinking it's so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'll get off my soapbox. I love it. No, it's fantastic. (laughs) Anything, anything to add, Gabe, before we wrap up? No, man, that, that, that's, all good that's a pretty good way to end it i think right yeah absolutely (laughs) all right well gabriel kunda glenn steinbaum thank you both that was really really informative it's not a genre i do a lot of work in so it was really uh eye-opening for me too and i hope everyone uh out there has enjoyed it so thank you both all right no problem and thank you guys good luck to everybody as we say break a lip out there folks thank you There we are. Thank you to Gabriel and Glenn for that interview. Thank you for your time and your expertise. 
I loved that interview. I, I thought they were both uh, super generous with their opinions on everything and uh, super candid as well, um, particularly talking about the business and financial side of the process. I don't really think I have much more to add, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> as I said at the beginning, you can find out more about us, the podcast, and look back on previous episodes and dip back into a subject that you would like to find out more about by visiting us on our website, voschoolpodcast.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher and all the usual places. Um, I haven't quite got on Spotify yet, but I think that's because we're hosted on SoundCloud. They don't like that. Maybe I'll shift who hosts the podcast so that we can get that get on there too. Anyway, I'm rambling, so... Thank you again for listening. Thank you to Glenn and Gabriel, and I'll see you again next time. Thank you. Bye. Special thanks to Patreon supermember Angus Gunn. Thank you to this week's guests, to Backstage Magazine and to Kyle Marie Colucci for social media support. A big thank you to our sponsors, J. Michael Collins Demos and IPDTL, and to you for listening. I'll see you next time. <laughs>